In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. I've put a quote in your outline as the beginning of our sermon today. Who can truly say every moment is peace? love, exuberant joy, because we are at home with the one who loves us. Who can say we are inwardly at rest in God and look forward only to new realizations that come from love? Who among us can say that, that every moment of our life is filled with peace and love and joy because we're so intimately connected to God Gordon Cosby is the one who wrote that question. He is the founder of the Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C. He answers his own question with the next quote there in your outline. His answer is, very few, very few, because we have left home. And now, again, still, we're being called to return to the great love from which we began it is the call of Advent, and it's the call of this scripture to turn back toward God during this season. The way Matthew records it is with John the Baptist saying, Repent! Repent! John the Baptist cries out. Turn away from anything that leads you away from God, that distracts you from living a life of faith. Turn away from any and all those things and turn toward God. Turn toward the love of God that's being offered. Turn back toward this great love from which you began, the origins of which created all things we have seen and known and experienced. Turn back toward, toward that great love. But John the Baptist also says, do not presume. Do not presume. I think sometimes I do. I presume. I assume that I do not need to repent. 
I'm living a pretty good Christian life. I'm doing my best, I think. I'm trying. So sometimes I think maybe I don't need to repent. But John the Baptist says to the righteous of his day, those Pharisees and Sadducees who are coming, he looks right at them and says, do not presume. I had an experience last Sunday night that brought me up a little short. It was a cause to pause, to think about repentance, to make sure that we do not presume where our lives are and what's going on. I had heard of this movie, 12 Years a Slave. Maybe you've heard about it. I had read that it's a true story. So I go to the movie thinking it's going to be a a nice historical account. Oh, I know it deals with slavery, but they've made it into a movie. So surely it ends with triumph and justice. I was naive. I would not recommend you see it if you are faint of heart. For over two hours, it tells the story of Solomon. He was a black man, an educated man, a free man, living with his wife and two children in Saratoga Springs, New York. Until one day, he meets a couple of gentlemen that offer him a wonderful job. He needs more work. It looks really good. His wife and kids have a trip to take, and he says, I will take you up on that. They say we have to travel to Washington, D.C. to make this happen. He says, okay. It looks like everything's going to go fine until they drug him and kidnap him and sell him into the brutality of slavery. And the next two hours is a vivid portrayal of the brutality in which he endured the next 12 years of his life. Beatings, whippings, forced to labor for others, the violence and degradation that he experienced and others experienced around him is treated with sensitivity and care, but it's portrayed so vividly that it will make you sick. It will bring a sense of disgust. It is a hard movie to watch. My daughter, who was with us on the way out, said, What kind of horror movie was that you just took me to? Because it was horrific what he endured. And then perhaps just as disturbing as the movie went on, you began to realize that this practice of slavery was so embedded in our American culture, particularly in the South, that people were going along as if it were a normal and right course of events, as if there was nothing wrong with the whippings and beatings and lynchings that were going on throughout the South. And then, to make it even worse for me, they showed the white southern slave owners using the Bible and Christian faith right after they had abused their slaves to tell them that, of course, they had a right to do so and it was the right way of life. I was ashamed. I felt terrible. The next several days, the first part of this week, as I reflected on those past events, I first wondered how 
could so many be so blind to the abuse and the evil going on all around them, using the faith of Christianity as a foundation for what they were doing? And then I began to wonder, what's going on now? What's happening in our current society? Where am I blind? Are there places I'm standing by while abuse is going on? Is the Christian faith being used to degrade fellow human beings? I was driving to work one day this week. I was listening to sports radio, maybe my mistake, but they were talking about bedlam. And you know what? Some people were calling in. They were interested in the game. It's a good-spirited contest, but some were calling in to spew hate. I mean, it had fueled hate in their hearts, and they wanted to share it to any who would listen. But there are other issues, perhaps of more weight. I thought of immigrants into our country in this time, particularly immigrants from the South, coming from Mexico and other Latino countries. Some people see it as a social problem we need to deal with. I mean, we have dealt with this before. We're a country of immigrants, and every time a new wave comes, we struggle with treating them well. I mean, it happened with the Irish and with the Italians. It happened with the Chinese and with others, and now it's happening with Latinos. And some really struggle to decide and to work on how can we make this work. And yet for others, it fuels hate for all Spanish-speaking peoples. I thought about the debate in our country and our churches around sexual orientation and equal rights and civil rights and how some are having trouble understanding all this, but they're trying while others have just taken the tack of spewing hate to anyone who has a different opinion or happens to be on a different spot on the sexual orientation continuum. I thought of incarceration rates in our prisons in America and how when you look at the statistics, it sure looks like there is racism prevalent in our justice system. And in discussions about that, you hear some that don't seem to care, that don't seem to see it and who think everyone has gotten what they deserve. And they spew hate about that. While others struggle to figure out how can we make this right but it looks like to me that the branches are still sprouting that are rooted in our past of slaveholding i think i'm a faithful christian i try to be a faithful follower of jesus christ But John the Baptist says to the faithful of his day, do not presume. Do not presume. And then he says this in verse 10, even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Bear fruit worthy of repentance. And I wonder what kind of fruit I am bearing I wonder about the fruit the church is bearing in our culture and in our society. 
We are in the season of Advent. Advent invites us into introspection. It asks us to look deeper at our lives and the lives of those around us. This prophet John and the ones that Madison read to us from Isaiah are calling us to look deeply, not only at our own lives, but those around us, and see who is being oppressed, who does not know the love of God, where is justice not being done, and responding to share the love of God with others. Oh, I think I have some work to do. But it's not just my work or our work. Matthew says it is the work of the Holy Spirit, that this work is indeed the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he offers to us in verse 11. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In the movie, Solomon runs into one person after another that looks like maybe they will help, maybe they will believe him, but one person after another betrays him until finally he meets a man who I think has experienced this Holy Spirit baptism. He is a man who's willing to act to help free Solomon, to give him his just and civil rights. But he says to Solomon, I'm afraid for my life and afraid for yours as well. But his fear of God, if you will, is greater than his fear of man or his fear of humans. And he acts and his actions lead to Solomon receiving his freedom again. I think his life characterizes the dynamic we are exploring all during this Advent. In this sermon series, we're talking about awed and awed. About what it means to come into the presence of God and experience the fear of God or the awe of God. And when we take that to heart, how it changes us and leads us to act for peace in the midst of conflict.